We're doing a series on the Beatitudes and some people say that the Beatitudes are the most profound teachings of Jesus and that they are like the Ten Commandments of the Old Testament, they're the Eight Commandments of the New Testament and they really do show us character of Jesus. So today we're up to the fifth Beatitude and it's uh, blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. I want to start off by telling you a story that illustrates what mercy really is. A.J. Cronin was a young medical officer in a remote hospital in North England. One winter night, a six-year-old boy was admitted to the hospital with diphtheria. Only an immediate tracheotomy would give any hope of saving his life. But Cronin had never attempted that crucial procedure. He trembled as the gasping boy was placed on the operating table. He felt cold and sick. He determined to do his best with the operation, and he did. After the successful operation, he returned to his room, very pleased with himself. At two o'clock in the morning, a young nurse knocked frantically at his door. She'd dozed off by the child's bed. She'd awakened to find that the tube was blocked. She'd panicked, and when Cronin got there, the child was dead. There was such a sense of loss. The failure of the nurse overwhelmed Cronin and he blazed with anger. I'll put in a report, he said. A little later he sent for the nurse and he read the report. She heard him in pitiful silence. She was almost fainting with shame, fright and misery. Have you anything to say, Cronin demanded. She shook her head and stammered, Please, give me another chance. This was something Cronin hadn't considered. She must pay for what she'd done. He dismissed her abruptly, signed the report, and went off to bed. But he couldn't sleep all night. Echoing in his ear was her plea, give me another chance. In the morning, he tore up the report. The nurse who'd failed so fatally went on to become the matron of the largest children's hospital in Wales. Her career became a model of competence and service. If she hadn't been forgiven, she'd have been lost to her profession but she was given another chance. This story gets to the heart of Jesus' fifth beatitude. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Merciful means to show compassion, pity, forgiveness and kindness. It's really hard to be merciful when people do wrong, especially when they do wrong to us. We can react like Cronin did, become angry, lash out in the heat of the moment. 
They've got to be punished. They've got to pay for it, we say. Mercy is active. It's not just feeling sorry for someone. It's doing something compassionate. Forgiveness is not only difficult, but it takes practice. Brian Zand expresses this beatitude like this. He said, Blessed are those who give mercy, for they will get it back when they need it most. In Galatians chapter 6, verse 7, it tells us that we will reap what we sow in life. God helps us even though we don't deserve his help. But there is a limit to God's patience with us. He won't bless someone who receives his mercy, but doesn't share his mercy with others. We serve a God of mercy, and showing mercy to others is a sign that we are followers of Jesus. We all know the parable of the Good Samaritan in Luke chapter 10, verses 36 and 37, where a man was beaten up, left dying on the side of the road. Three men, two men passed him by. One man stopped and gave him help. And Jesus asked the question, which one of these men proved to be the neighbour to the man who was beaten up? The man replied, the one who showed mercy toward him. And Jesus said, you go and do likewise. And so in our homes, in our community, in life situations, there are many wounded people in strained relationships. Sometimes people react in ways that we don't like, but we've got to try and understand people and be merciful towards them. Have you ever been shown mercy yourself? I remember as a, as a little boy, I was playing cricket with my mates on the grass verge outside a friend's house. And this guy bowled the ball to me, and I hooked it around, and it went through a hedge, and there was a big smashing sound of broken glass. I just dropped the bat and ran home. <laughs> we didn't have a lot of money, and I'd already broken a window at our place. And I was waiting for the father of the man who, of the boy that I was playing with to come round to our place and tell my dad that I'd broken his window. But he never came. I don't know why he didn't come. But I w was shown mercy and I was very grateful for that mercy because my dad wouldn't have been very understanding of my action. You know, I was in pretty much in total denial. I, I, I was saying to myself, oh, it can't have been you. You hit that ball under the hedge. You didn't actually see the window break. And anyway, it was the bowler's fault. He knows that I can't resist hitting shots like that. He put it in, in that place where he shouldn't have bowled it. So most of us have received mercy at some time in our lives. And it's amazing how we can remember, we can recall the times when we were shown mercy. Have you shown mercy to someone? 
Years ago, we had a, a home group in Rotorua, and at the end of the home group, a woman backed down our driveway, and my car was parked on the street, and she backed into my car and pushed in the door. She was a poor old thing who was looking after her father. She had no money. She came up in tears. Look, I've damaged your car. Don't worry. We'll sort it out. And, and sometimes we're put in these situations where people are really troubled and we can sh show mercy towards them. Can you think of an occasion when you haven't shown mercy? Maybe a situation when you should have. Did you think that maybe that person had a lesson to learn or that you had to be cruel to be kind? Oswald Chambers wrote in his book, My Utmost for His Highest, he said, we have to keep letting go and slowly but surely the great full life of God will invade us, penetrating every part. By battling an issue, we may be hanging on to our selfish ways, trying to do things in our own strength. Sometimes we just have to let something go. When we went overseas, uh, we rented a, a house out and the person that was uh, renting the house got behind in the rent. And uh, so we took her to the small claims tribunal and she had to pay us back at something like $15 a week. And we realised that she had no money and it was going to take her years to pay back what she owed us. So we showed mercy. We thought, why fight this? She's a poor old thing. Let's help her in this situation. We can call on God in a crisis and he can teach us how to let go of the big things in life. But what about those small, niggly things that lessen the life of Christ in us? As we learn to let go, God can have greater influence and control over our lives. It's then that people notice that we have been with him, that there's something different about us, something that is good, something that is friendly and joyful and brings peace. Mercy is treating others in the same way that God has treated us. How would you like to be corrected if you had caused some harm or made a bad mistake? God says we're to love our neighbours in the same way that we love ourselves. In Micah chapter 6 verse 8 it says, He has shown you what is good and what does the Lord require of you? to act justly, do the right thing, to love mercy, show compassion, and walk humbly with our God. Those three things are vitally important in our life. That's a, a checklist. Can we tick off the boxes? Are we doing the right thing? Do we show mercy? Do we have a soft heart? And are we a humble person? It's interesting that this mercy beatitude follows the justice beatitude. We were saying last week that the word righteous and justice mean the same thing in the Greek. And so justice and mercy are very closely connected. 
Sometimes mercy can be cheap and sentimental without any consideration to justice. Conversely, justice without mercy can be heartless and cruel. This was demonstrated by the, the Pharisees in Jesus' day who were judgmental and crucified Jesus. Most of you would have seen the musical Les Miserables or even the movie. And this provides an excellent illustration of justice and mercy. Before the French Revolution, law and order was upheld by extreme penalties. A man had served 18 years in prison for stealing a loaf of bread for his starving nephew. He was finally released on parole and he had to check in to the police every month. But he couldn't get a job because his papers said that he was a thief. One night he was welcomed by a priest who washed him, fed him, and gave him a night's lodging. But he woke up in the night, stole all the silverware from the church, and took off. He was caught by the police and brought back to the priest. The priest showed him grace and mercy and told the police that he had given him the silver. Jean Valjean's life was changed and he repaid God's grace by extending grace to others for the rest of his life. But he was hounded by a policeman who sought to arrest him for breaking parole. Are you a merciful person? Or are you a letter of the law person who's chasing people down because they broke a rule a few years ago? James 2 verse 13, For judgment without mercy to one who has shown mercy. For judgment is without mercy to one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Focus on that phrase there. Mercy triumphs over justice, uh, over judgment. So if we feel that we don't need mercy, then we will struggle to offer mercy to others. And this will cut us off from God's mercy. Sometimes we're in a situation where we don't know how to treat a person. Should we exercise judgment and justice or should we exercise mercy when in doubt go for mercy show justice to people in those situations imagine yourself in that other person's situation then allow God to reveal a course of action that is both fair and merciful Mercy is not letting people get away with murder. Sometimes it's merciful to give our children a sharp correction. But unless the correction comes from a loving heart and a loving relationship, any attempt at discipline is likely to fail. An unfair punishment is likely to cause our children to become bitter. Can you remember a time when you were unfairly treated by your father? We expect justice. If we're punished for something that we haven't done, we want to prove that we were right. 
And if we are punished unfairly, we're likely to remember that thing. And you are probably thinking of some situation right now. That's why in Ephesians 6 verse 4 it says, Fathers, don't provoke your children to anger. Fathers, if you are provoking your children, if you're teasing your children and you're making them angry, that will have long-term implications on your children. But a fitting action will confront the real issue and it will challenge us to be responsible and to grow. It will direct us to God's word and it will show us the leading of the Holy Spirit, what the Holy Spirit is wanting us to do in that sort of situation. In every situation, be prepared to speak the truth in love. Don't forget the love. It can be easy to forgive someone when they come to us in repentance and they say, please forgive me. I'm terribly sorry. I'll never do that again. I'll make it all right. We may say, I'll forgive you, but make sure you don't do it again. But what about when it's someone who continues to hurt us? In the natural, it's almost impossible to forgive someone like that. Imagine seeing the person who you hate the most, the person who is hurting you, and they're standing in the middle of the street. A car comes hurtling around the corner towards that person. And you think, he chose to stand there. The reason he's in danger may even be because he's crossing the road because he wants to hurt you again. But mercy is sprinting towards him, diving and saving him from what he's brought on himself. This kind of rescue is painful and results in bruised elbows and grazed knees. But it's better than becoming the person who watches and takes delight in another person's tragedy. Taking pleasure in their downfall means that we're becoming like them. We may be caught in a relationship where we have to endure a certain amount of cyclic pain. Forgiving people from the heart requires mercy that only God can place in our heart. God's forgiveness and mercy in our lives has a cleansing, purifying effect on our lives and on the lives of other people. And so this morning we've reflected on how Jesus, the Son of God, was nailed to a cross by the people he came to rescue. He hung there naked, suspended by nails, causing him extreme pain. He prayed for his persecutors. In that moment, his accusers thought that they knew what they were doing. They thought that life would be a lot better if they got rid of that imposter. But they misunderstood the moment who they really were and what they were becoming. They were blind. They were lost in their hatred, in their violence. Jesus had every right to judge them and find them wanting. But instead, he showed them compassion in the middle of his pain. 
He said in Luke 23 verse 24, Father, forgive them because they don't really know what they're doing. And sometimes people do something stupid when they don't really know what they're doing. It's a, a rash action. And punishment can ruin the rest of their lives. And so we've got to look at people and where they're at in their lives and what's going on and ask God to show us appropriate ways of dealing with these things. So here's Jesus. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. This is the same Jesus who says, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. It's a promise. If we show kindness and mercy to other people, ultimately we will reap what we sow and we will receive God's mercy. Have you been hurt by a friend or a loved one? Maybe more than once. Have you forgiven that person yet? Maybe you have, but it's a day-by-day -day process. Forgiveness and mercy are not momentary choices. They're disciplines of our hearts. We may choose to forgive someone, but that doesn't mean that we don't still feel the pain. But we put the pain to death day after day until it's fully dead and we're free from it. When we deny others mercy and don't forgive, we choose to live in an alternative reality where we blame the one who hurts us for ruining our world. We don't get to choose whether or not pain occurs in our lives, but we do get to choose how we react to that pain. Jesus had every right to be furious and to seek revenge. He could have called down 10,000 angels, but instead he had compassion. His mercy gave him the ability to see his oppressors as lost rather than evil and to pour out compassion on them rather than judgment. We are the recipients of that compassion today. He forgives us rather than judges us. Hebrews 12 verse 2 For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. What is your cross this morning? What are you suffering? What do you have to go through and endure that's uncomfortable in this life? It's through the cross and Jesus' re resurrection that we're set free. Set free from judging. Free from hating. Free from keeping the score. Free from sin. Free to see people as God sees people. Joy and freedom are what makes the merciful blessed in the kingdom of God. Are you walking in joy and freedom? Mercy can be our joy because when we extend it, it sets us free. We choose mercy in order to be like him as he makes himself known through us. Let's pray. Father God, as we celebrate Father's Day,
We think of you, Lord, our Heavenly Father, who sent your Son, Jesus, to reconcile us with you, that through his death and his taking the punishment for our sins, we can be restored into a relationship with the God of the universe, that we can walk on this planet as sons and daughters of the living God, led by your Holy Spirit. Lord, we thank you for, for your forgiveness towards us and help us to show mercy towards those people who have wounded us also. In Jesus' name, amen.